please stay at the end of the service for a chat or if you require prayer, the prayer room will be open and Pam and Brian will be in there. Please, can you keep yourselves on mute unless you are taking part and then we'll unmute at the end for the grace. And now I'll hand over to Stuart. Thank you, Elaine. Good morning, everybody. It's good to be with you. Let's just uh, just have a moment uh, of silence uh, before we come together and we worship. A word of encouragement came from prophet to people. Live a life that is full. Build, plant, eat, love, multiply. Pray for your communities. Keep God in the centre of all that is. We enter into worship today with hope in our hearts. For something happens here that reminds us that we can live as God desires. God has made a promise of faithfulness to us and we can trust the promise. So come, let us worship God. We join in prayer. Let us pray. Keeper of every moment in eternity. We come not only to hear those words which can transform us, but to be filled with your grace and hope. We have come not out of habit, but to respond to your call willing to be called away from the familiar ways of our lives. Walker in our journeys, in the midst of our harried lives, you call us to lay aside all that entangles us, to follow you into service to others. You invite us to step into the waters of life and hope, reaching out to draw others to our side, so that together, we might enter your kingdom of laughter and joy. When uncertainty fills every block in our diaries, you come, Grace's companion, to offer that hope which anchors us in God's heart, to place our feet firmly on that rock called peace, to bring us safely to that haven filled with God's steadfast love. Merciful God, we confess that we have hidden our lights and failed to share the love of Christ. We have walked away from the people Jesus came to serve, from the cities and towns where he carried out his ministry. We have chosen instead to make our home in the isolated places where Jesus retreated for prayer. And even there, our prayers have been mostly for ourselves. We have deemed our church an escape from our community rather than a sanctuary for it. We have deemed ourselves your chosen people, but but forsaken the ministry of reconciliation. In your infinite mercy, forgive our sins and set us on the path of true righteousness that we may find the joy of our salvation as we seek the welfare of the world around us, especially to the place you have called us to live and to work. And these prayers we offer in Jesus' name. Amen.
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen.
Okay, so now we come to birthdays. Can you put some people? Does anyone have a birthday in the coming week or did we miss anyone last week? Is that Helen being grassed up there? Marina. Marina? Any other offers? Two? Okay. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Helen and Marina. Happy birthday to you. Now I'll hand over to Janet and Colin to bring the readings. This is the text of the letter that Prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders amongst the exiles and to the priests, the prophets and all of the people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jehochin and the Queen Mother, the court officials and the leaders of Judah and Judea and Jerusalem and the skilled workers and the craftsmen had gone into exile from Jerusalem. He entrusted the letter to Elshan, son of Shephram, and to Jemari, son of Helkir, who Zebekir, king of Judah, had sent to King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. It said, This is what the Almighty, the Lord, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried to exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce, marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city into which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, prospers, you will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord, the Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and the diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and bring you back from captivity. I will gather you all from the nations and the places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Amen. The second reading comes from Mark chapter 5, verses 1 to 20, and is entitled, Jesus Restores a Demon-Possessed Man. 
they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. Amen. Thank you, Colin, and uh, especially uh, thank you, Janet, and many apologies for making you uh, try and get your mouth around some of those more difficult words. Um, Let's just join in prayer. Let's just pray. Gracious God, uh, we pray this morning that you may make us all open and aware of what you might want to say to us. And we just pray that we will we will hear and have the courage to act on that which you say to us. For we pray this in Jesus name. Amen. So it's, it's great to uh, be sharing with you, um, even in this medium. And, uh, you know, at the moment over the last year, we've had a lot to thank God for the sake of technology that brings us together in, in this way, that we can uh, continue to worship together um, in order to be equipped and sent out to serve God in the places where we live. And that's what I kind of want to think about this morning. What does it mean um to uh to be disciples uh with all of our lives not just what we do on a sunday morning but what we do through all of our lives and so you could quite uh fairly ask 
what do the two texts that we've heard this morning have to do with mission and discipleship and uh, and whole uh, life discipleship? Um, and in particular, what does whole life discipleship have to do uh, with that text from the, the book of Jeremiah? Well, I need to confess that that is actually one of my uh, favourite passages of scripture. And that's not the reason I've chosen it this morning. I've chosen it because I think... Uh, that it speaks really, really well into our current situation today. I think it speaks uh, really well into uh, the current situation that the church finds itself in a pandemic, but also I think it speaks really well into the situation the church found itself before uh, we were in the pandemic. So let's just have a think about that text from Jeremiah 29. Here are the people of God as usual, complaining. Now, I'm not saying that I'm always complaining, but I think like everybody else, there are those moments when I have to acknowledge that I do like a good moan. And uh, my family would tell you that tends to go in different cycles about what is my favourite moan of the day. So it could be the state of the roads when you're driving along and potholes and other people may share that particular moan with me. It could be uh, the need for certain members of my family to have the heating on full whilst uh, sitting there uh, not having put a jumper on. That's that's my particular favourite moan of the moment. Um, but I do have quite an extensive list of them that come out and appear at different times uh, of the day evening and I, I, I guess what yeah i do moan i moan a lot um I, and i think perhaps uh, we all do if we're honest here are the people of god moaning uh, as usual we don't like where we are they're saying and even though that perhaps if they investigate and look deep in themselves it's their actions that led them very much to the place where they find themselves you've got to remember here in in exile is the place uh, where the lament of Psalm 137 is sung. How can we sing a song, uh, a Lord's song, in this kind of foreign place? The people uh, are exiled. The people of God are no longer in the land that they had formerly called home. We don't want to be here, is their kind of cry. We don't want to be here. If only you can take us back to where we came from, then everything will simply be okay. Back there, back in the place that we came from, there we can be the people that you want us to be. Back in that land, we can be the people you want us to be. They long for the past. They long for that which feels familiar. And I think that feels uh, even more relevant now for our current time, the longing for that which feels familiar. And I think we all long for things that are familiar, even if we don't say it. The truth is we do it, even if it's in the smallest of ways. There's a lot of talk at the moment about people looking forward to uh, to holidays, isn't there? You know, um, this is a bit hard to, to do on Zoom, but just um, put your hand up if you're looking forward to the prospect of a holiday somewhere. OK, right. put your hands down. Put your hand up again if when you have a holiday, you're planning on going back to somewhere that you've been before. Yeah, you see, quite a few people would think about going back because we like that kind of sense of familiarity. I remember going on holiday to Aversock and uh, 
we uh, we buried our uh, youngest daughter, who was about three at the time, who's now thirty, um, and um, and we went back not so long ago to see if we could kind of recreate that feeling. It was ridiculous, but we go back to that which is familiar. Do you know? I even um, eat my roast dinner. I, I don't know. I'm, it's just like a confession session for me. This. I even eat my roast dinner in a particular order. You know, I uh, I always eat the vegetables first. Um, then followed by the meat, but leaving a Yorkshire pudding and uh, the roast potatoes to last. Because if I eat those first, then by the time I get to the end, I'm probably going to be disappointed and still want them. So I had this sort of set scene of familiarity. And, you know, I think this is where the people of God find themselves in a place that they feel can't possibly be as good as where they were. But how can the place where they were have been so good or else? They wouldn't have found themselves where they are now. And so it's into this situation that Jeremiah is asked to speak. And you can dress it up however you want. But basically, he says to them, put up or shut up. Stop moaning, says Jeremiah, for just two minutes and listen to what God might just possibly be saying to you. The past is your past, but your future is here. Jeremiah says to them. And what's more, he goes on to explain, your welfare and your survival will only be ensured if you embrace the place in which you find yourself. So settle down, marry, have children, plant trees. And importantly, this next bit, pray for the welfare of a place in which you find yourself. For when you do, you'll find your own welfare. Trust me, says God. And this is the famous bit that's on bookmarks and little carved plaques. In fact, I look round, I have one on my uh, windowsill. Trust me, uh, says God, for surely I know the plans I have for you. And they are plans for your shalom. Now, we change it in the, the English to all kinds of different words. Plans for your peace, for your prosperity, for your welfare. But, but originally, the Hebrew says plans for your shalom. So let's just stop for a moment and just uh, just wrestle with this word shalom and, and what it means. Now, I'm really passionate about the word shalom. Uh, so passionate, I actually had it tattooed on my arm about three years ago. I, I'd show you again if we weren't on camera, but there we are. Um, shalom, what, what does it mean? Well, we so often think that shalom means peace. And, and the problem is that the word peace doesn't really do it justice because it means so much more uh, and the problem is that there is no one word in english that really helps us to understand what shalom means it's a sense of i guess well-being of calm that that all is well and not just for one but for all of us it's that sense that when you go to bed at night after a really great day and just as you pull the covers up round your neck and you close your eyes and you let that kind of deep sense of satisfaction out of your body and go, ah, that was a good day. That, in a sense, is shalom, but not when just one of us can do it, but when all of us can do it simultaneously. In the New Testament, the word shalom perhaps is translated to the kingdom of God. And this is what's promised to the people of God if only they trust in God's way. So back to that original challenge. What has all this got to do with missional discipleship? 
Well, I think there's such a parallel between the story and Jeremiah and the story of the church today. How many times have we heard it said, or perhaps we've even said it ourselves, if only it was 50 or 60 years ago when the junior church had 300 members in it and the church was packed, then all would be okay. This is the place where we could truly worship God. This is the place where we could be the disciples that God wants us to be. But how can we possibly worship the Lord in this foreign place? And yet the Lord says the same to us today, as he said it through the prophets all those years ago, put up or shut up. We also need to own the place we find ourselves today. This is where we are. This is the current times in which we live. But more importantly, this is the place where God is calling us to settle down. The answer will not be found by us spending more times retreated in our church buildings. And if this year has taught us anything, I hope it's taught us that. The answer will not be found within the walls of our church, but in the expanse of the community in which we live. This, to me, is mission. Being called to care for those in whose midst we live. This is the city for whose welfare we need to be praying. This is where we should be seeking to build shalom and see the kingdom of God become real. But, you know, that might mean we have to do things differently. That might mean we have to give up the tradition in order to allow people to encounter God by their own rivers of Babylon. We need to be a church in a new way, to give up the past or the order of things in which we've always done them, to let go of the familiar and to set off down a new path. We need to allow God to break free the shackles that currently bound us, which I guess neatly brings us to our second reading. Such a complicated reading. Who is healed? Is it the man or is it the community that the man is part of? You know, we can't be sure in our modern understanding what is wrong with this man. Is he possessed? Is he suffering from some kind of of mental illness? Either way, the treatment that he receives by anybody's standard is pretty poor. Shut away, out of sight, out of mind. The problems that are not seen, therefore, do not need to be dealt with. And along comes Jesus. Now, it's fair to say the pigs and their owners in this story get a pretty raw deal. And there are so many points that could be made from this passage. But I just want to concentrate on this for today. Jesus heals the man. He transforms this man's life. And in return, the man commits to the cause. I guess in our modern day language, we'd say he comes to faith in Jesus. Tell me what he tell me what to do, he says. Tell me where to go. I kind of think at this point, this man is willing to do literally anything that Jesus asks of him. But listen to what Jesus responds to this man. He says this. Go home 
to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown you. Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown you. Now, I guess some would argue that he gets off lightly. But does he really? Surely this is actually the hardest thing he could have been asked to do. Go home to your family. Go home to your friends. Go back into the community that you were once part of. The community that ostracised you. The community that wanted rid of you. The community that didn't know how to deal with you. Go back to that community. Go back and show them in word and in action how Jesus has changed your life. And I think this is why this is a story that speaks to both the demands and also the joys of being a disciple. This is what we are all called to do. To be a community transformed by the challenge, by the demands and by the joys of knowing Jesus. To be individuals whose lives speak of how Jesus has transformed each one of us. Individuals whose lives speak of the joy of being in love with God. So that's is why I chose these two readings for this morning. Because for me, this is the central challenge facing us as a church, either a church in the midst of a pandemic or a church pre or post pandemic. This is the challenge that faces us as communities of Christian people to work together, to show those we meet how Jesus has transformed our lives. But importantly, we have to live differently as a result of knowing Jesus. It has to change the way that we interact with the world and change the way we interact with each other. It has to challenge justice near and far. It has to help us understand that being a disciple is about worshipping God in all of our lives, about giving worth to God in everything we do. That worship isn't just about what we do on a Sunday morning, nor is it about our church-based activities, but being God's church, being the people of God, being transformed by Jesus, is allowing that to alter and affect every aspect of our lives. On Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays and Saturdays, as well as what we do on a Sunday. To be that transforming presence and that transforming power with our neighbours and in our families and with our friends and revealing Jesus to them through the way we live and see the world. It's about working together in the places we live and amongst the people we live alongside to work for God's plans, to usher in God's kingdom. For then, when we do that, then when we close our eyes at night, all may experience the presence of Shalom. Amen. Let's just pray.
Gracious and loving God, we pray this morning that you may place on each one of our hearts the challenge to serve the communities that we are part of. We pray that you may help us to reveal to those we live amongst the difference and the transformation that you have made in our lives. We pray this morning that we may recognise that you're not asking us to use clever or complicated words, but to use lives that are lived out, focused on you to show kindness, to show humility, to show love to those we live amongst, to serve. And so we pray that you may make us salt and light to the communities that we are part of, that we may tell of the difference that you have made in our lives, and that through this others may know your peace and seek your kingdom. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to listen now uh, and join in with the, uh, the hymn, The Lord is My Shepherd. The Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want. He makes me lie in pastures green. Me by the still, still waters, his goodness restores my soul, and I will trust in you alone, and I will trust in you.
Now it's time for our prayers for others, so let's pray. Lord, this morning we want to thank you. Thank you for the signs of spring that bring us fresh hope. Thank you for the flowers we're beginning to see, the buds, the green, and that it's getting warmer. Lord, it's been a long winter, and we thank you that we're beginning to see signs of a new spring and new hope. Lord, thank you that we are your children. But Lord, we know in your world that your children are in need and are hurting. Lord, we pray for all those suffering the effects of war and violence. And especially this morning, Lord, we think of Myanmar. We bring before you those who are hungry, those who are homeless, refugees, those living in poverty. Lord, we lift them before you and we pray that as your children, we can work together to ease their plight, to share what we have. We remember those in this country, Lord, who are suffering yet again with flooding, ruining their homes, ruining their lives and their comfort and their peace. And we lift them before you, Lord. And Lord, we remember the situation with the COVID pandemic. Lord, this morning we think about all those charities that are struggling so much through this time. Charities who do your work, Lord. And we pray that they would be able to continue and be supported through this time. Lord, we think especially this morning of our NHS workers and key workers. Those who care for the ill, those who support and comfort those in need, for the amazing um, injection programme, Lord, against COVID. We thank you for that, Lord, and thank you for all those workers who are working so hard. We pray you keep them safe and strong. Lord, we remember our government as well, as they seek to find a way out of this lockdown that will be effective for both the economy, but also for safety. And we remember as well, Lord, and pray for our situation as a country post-Brexit and in our dealings with the EU, Lord. We pray for peace and we pray for wisdom as things get sorted out. Lord, again, we do thank you for the vaccination programme. And we just pray, Lord, that it would be fair. That it would be fair not just in this country, but across your world for all those people in need, Lord. 
when we remember this morning those who are bereaved, those who have lost loved ones to this illness, those who are ill, those who've lost their jobs, Lord, and those who are afraid. Lord, the future does seem uncertain, but we know we can claim your hope and your power and your peace. Lord, your shalom for the future. And this morning, Lord, we remember our family and our loved ones. Lord, we place these people in your hands and pray for your healing touch and your love and your peace and strength to be with them. And Lord, we're just going to have a moment of quiet as we think of our own loved ones we want to bring before you. And Lord, we're just going to finish with a verse from Ephesians. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. in my 
Okay, I'd like to say thank you on behalf of all of us, just Stuart, for that powerful message this morning. Please will you all unmute so that we can say the grace together and then feel free to stop for chat or if you want to go into the prayer room for prayer. That when the presentation comes up. Okay. So may the grace of the Lord,